Hey, I'm Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors. Take a walk and make a podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what we're preaching this week, what we're thinking about, and what astonishes us. But this week, we are actually going to be talking about what astonishes us. First, we're going to go in reverse order because we got some really valuable and also painful, as valuable things normally are, um, um, feedback about the podcast. Um, And we are not going to make a podcast about making a podcast, especially when you've only been making a podcast for six minutes. But um, there are some really good reasons. So we're going to start with um, what astonishes us today and from now on. So, Hinton, what is astonishing you this week? I am astonished by the work of God in our congregation. We had a family leave um, this past Sunday. They're moving out of state, and we uh, threw them a party, a great reception, and um the wife in this family is an elder uh, serving on our session, and we were doing all of the goodbyes, and we're going to miss you, and um, it was really a lovely time, and she really blessed me and the congregation. Uh, she was saying how much she was going to miss us all, and then she turned to me and said, and you, uh, because of you, I'm almost to the place where I'm ready to lift my hands and shout for joy. And that's such a blessing to me, and I'm I'm astonished by it because I've been trying to help the congregation bridge this cultural gap between the culture of the congregation, the culture Mm -hmm. of the community, because we're a historically white congregation and we're in a historically, not a historically, but now a uh, predominantly African-American community. And we're just trying to to bridge uh, a gap there. And so I've been been pushing and prodding around expression and worship and expressive spirituality and have really not seen very many signs of it going well. And so when she said that, I was just astonished by, holy cow, God is at work here. Even if I don't see anything happening, Mm -hmm. God is at work here. And I don't think she realized what a gift she gave to me and to the congregation. Um, And she really was a witness in that moment to the astonishing work of God Mm -hmm. in our congregation. Mm -hmm. So that's what's astonishing me Mm -hmm. this week. Well, I, um, we say what astonishes us and, and really that means just what are we passionate about? And mm. it was funny, we were talking this morning about like, will there ever be a week where nothing astonishes us and what will we do? And, you know, we both think that it's our job to go to the well every week mm. on behalf of the people we get to serve and to, to, you know, be in the word and in prayer and just discerning where God is. And, and if we see God, yeah. then we will be astonished. Yes. And yeah. if if we're not, I mean, the goal of becoming fully alive in Christ, as we would say at the Grove, is, you know, to walk with the Lord. And that's an astonishing thing. And so if we're mm. not astonished, then then something is wrong. Like mm. We're not in a spiritually healthy place. And so I, not to say that we won't ever be in that place, um, but I think we would just be really transparent about like, hey, <laughs> like I, I, I'm struggling. I'm in a dark night of the soul, whatever. Yeah. But, but we we plan to be astonished. And I think if we mm. are looking for that, we will find it. But not all of our astonishment is good. And and so, um, you know, astonish is a neutral word, right? And so mm. I, this morning we were talking and I was just recognizing that I just had immediately a lot of passion 
um, when we started talking about um, the institution that mm. we're connected with, which for us is the PCUSA. And just it's interesting to me without going into the specifics of what what triggered that, um, you know, we were talking about how how crazy it is that we both serve communities that are made up of some mainline people, mm-hmm. um, even some Presbyterian people. And also then just lots of people from different spiritual traditions or no spiritual tradition Mm -hmm. at all. And so it's just interesting how people perceive us um, that when we're talking to people who are within our institutions of origin, we are like these outliers. Like, I don't even know if you're one of us anymore. Like, what happened to you? You, you know, I don't know. I'm threatened by you. I don't like you. I don't whatever. But when we're talking to people who don't come from those traditions, we get this like, oh, well, you're institutional. Like, like maybe God can do something with you because, you know, God makes donkeys talk. But like you, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from, you know? And so it's just an interesting thing to be sort of on the one hand, just like disparaged Sometimes it feels like disparaged on both sides, mm. and I, and so I'm just very aware of how immediately, like I I am kind of offended and defensive if someone labels me in as institutional, um, because usually those are not people in it. <laughs> because the people right. in the institution don't give me that label, and that offends me too. And that's what's just so interesting to me is that I I mean I'm just sort of laughing at my own ego and how mm. I am offended both ways and also just how complicated we we're saying before like I have I have this really ambivalent well not ambivalent because I'm clearly passionate but like love hate relationship with this with my institutional home because mm. I am somebody who did not grow up going to church did not was not born into a Christian family and it was you know the very unsexy Methodist church yeah. on the corner where I met Jesus mm. right and so and you know my seminary experience was was life changing for me and i and i you know the denomination has has nurtured me and in so many incredible ways not the least of which that the transformation process that we went through at the grove that originated didn't finish mm. <laughs> wasn't wasn't even completed with but originated within my denominational structure so in all kinds of ways i would not be a believer and I would not mm. still be a believer if it were not for God's presence in my denomination. And <laughs> like, <laughs> and we we sort of just live you know un, unconnected in our connectional denomination and it it's just hard and I'm trying always to be really um, self-aware mm. of not m- m- Staying in my lane and, mm. and recognizing that I, the right spiritual posture for me towards my friends and family and colleagues is is one of honor mm. and not being easily offended. And also there are things that are really central to the culture of that institution right now that just are not okay with me. Mm. And it's not the social issues that everyone else is offended <laughs> with. Let me just be clear. Um So anyway, that was just what astonished me was how I went from like zero to 60 Mm. on the passion meter, just recounting an incident with you and realizing like, whoa, I have some work to do on both sides because I should be able to just sit in gentleness Mm. and love and honor and respect better than I am. And I'm astonished at how easily triggered I am. And also (laughs) that after eight and a half years of friendship, (laughs) for the first time today, 
you called me Becky, which both well. <laughs> delights and confounds me. So that was also a good, astonishing, astonishingly so wonderful. So we may moment. need to tell listeners that if they're if that if that doesn't quite connect my calling you Becky, they may need to well, look and- it up in the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> right. that, would that be helpful? Um, well, what? And I was thinking when you were talking about your church context. I mean, you are a black man serving a historically white church, doing outreach to a community that's becoming very diverse, which really colors what you're talking about in terms of creating more yeah, expressive absolutely. worship culture. Because yeah. it's not cultural appropriation. It's right. your authentic reality. Yes, yes, um, yes, and so yeah. that's interesting. And yes, you call me Becky because I'm a white girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what are you thinking about? I am thinking about, well, what I'm thinking about is connected to what is astonishing me, and that is the slow but definite work of God in the lives of the people around me and in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just thinking about how God grows us, how God changes us. And when you go day after day, week in and week out, you start to think, you know, is any of this going to change? Am I going to change? Are people around me going to change? Mm-hmm. But what I experienced last Sunday is a definite yes. And if mm-hmm. I just sit in silence and look at my own life five years ago, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. yes, I can see God's hand on my life changing me like, you know, that that image of that Old Testament image of uh, clay in the hands of the potter, mm-hmm. and it is happening. And I'm just thinking about um, being a pastor who is joyful and um, content in that, knowing that God's hand is shaping me and uh, the people around me. And that's that's not something I think about often, but but last Sunday really sparked that. Well, it's interesting. Our, our mutual friend, Nicole, was leading prayers at the Grove last week, and she was talking about basically how can we wait without anxiety, right? Mm, so, yeah. so, so how can, and I think for most of us, like that's just, it seems like waiting is intrinsically about anxiety mm-hmm, and wondering and mm-hmm. will, but, but we are called to wait with hopeful, joyful yeah. contentment and expectation. Yeah. I am waiting. So the kind of deep spiritual transformation that we want to happen in our congregations, we can't manufacture that. Yeah. So we have yeah. things to do. And we have responsibilities and we need to do them well and to the best of our ability. But if the change that's going to happen in our congregations, if the growth, if the life is something I can make, then I'm not interested. Like I have better things to do with my life than, you know, run a religious business Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus. But if God is doing something in our churches, in people's individual lives and in our congregations, then I'm not responsible for that. And so a huge part of our work is to point the way yeah. and also to you know go to the well to to notice what God is doing and to be reverential and awe and astonished by it but to wait on the Lord because yeah, yeah. anything we can do isn't worth doing and and there's a there's a humility in that right, right. I I'm not in control of this thing right. my job is simply to be faithful and joyful in that right and I think sometimes I get, when I get frustrated with certain things. What? <laughs> frustrated with ministry? I can't, well, I can't believe no, it. No, but I mean, well, not, not well. At, really not at the group, but when I get frustrated on a larger level at what 
people are doing. It's because they're doing things yeah, and yeah, calling it yeah, God. Yeah. And I'm just like, look, can we just be honest mm. about naming the lack, naming the innocent, the, mm. the, you know, the distance, naming the need and doing what we can do to repent yeah. and then waiting on the Lord to do something, not starting a social media campaign and calling it, you know, a movement of the spirit, right, which right. is enough about that. So, so what, what are you thinking about? I am thinking about, um, so we are at the Grove, um, God willing, um, going to do a watch night service this New Year's Eve. And we've been talking about this, you and I, for weeks on our walks that, and really for years, I've been having this on my calendar for years. And every year I just kind of talk myself out of it or I don't pull the trigger. I don't feel ready. Um, but I feel um, really compelled and convicted that it's important for a diverse congregation to have um, traditions that are not native to white mm. spirituality be centered. Mm. Um, and so this is an opportunity to do that. And it's really important to me, but it also is just kind of an awkward thing because as a white person to lead a watch night, not a new year's Eve night, but a watch night service is just a, I mean, it's a very sacred thing. Um, and it's been interesting that I've been talking to folks in my congregation, both folks who have experience in other New Year's Eve services, and those are like the evangelical people, and then African Americans who have watch night, who go to watch night in mm. other church services, yeah, right, in other yeah, congregations, yeah. and talking to you and other people, and everyone has this very different understanding of, of, of what it is. Mm. And we were saying on the walk, it's so interesting to me learning from you the history of a watch night service as connected to the Emancipation Proclamation, mm. which makes complete sense. And then your comment about how, you know, a lot of that has been like Creflo Dollard yeah, out yeah, of yeah. the tradition. It, and become, it has become prosperity gospel. Let me tell right. you how you can get blessed in the new year. Right. Like I'm showing up to get my blessing. Yeah, like this is yeah. my magic lever that I'm pulling so mm -hmm. that God will be where. But to, to recenter it back in that historic event, in that Exodus mm. moment, like that is the rock solid truth that is both anchored within the African-American community and is transcendent yeah. for every believer who sincerely understands themselves to be enslaved to sin mm. and need both redeeming and rescuing and guiding in the wilderness and constant presence of God in order to live in the promised land. Like that's where I want to center that and, and figuring that all out. And also I was really just on the walk, you said, oh, and by the way, <laughs> I don't give unsolicited advice, but... And your advice is never unsolicited by me. But you're like, oh, and by the way, it needs to be the most joyful, the most celebratory, like bigger than Times Square. I'm, I'm which well, it's, absolutely, it's, it's Miriam with the tambourine <laughs> after the Red Sea, right? Yes, it's 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 that. Yes, and I mean, and I get like that's super helpful to know, like that's what we're aiming for, and really intimidating, right? I mean, like. No worries. Just, but I mean, if we're if we're really deeply centered in that tradition, then every time that we get another year hmm. to live in freedom with Christ on this journey, we yeah. I mean, like it's an, an astonishing gift, and it's an, an and it's an intimidating one. And to gather and sort of say we have this freedom, and we have been malformed by our slavery, and yeah, we don't yeah. know how to live, and we need you to lead us. I mean, I, so I'm excited and intimidated 
and looking for a musician. <laughs> so we will, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But that's what I'm thinking about. What are you preaching about? What am I preaching? Um, let's see. We're second Sunday of Advent and we're walking through John's prologue and verses four and five about life and light. And we're asking the question, why did Jesus come? Right. Last week we asked the question, who is Jesus? Mm -hmm. This week it's why did he come? And he came to give us life because we were dead in trespasses mm -hmm. and sins. Mm -hmm. He came to be light because we're in darkness. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been thinking about uh, when I was living in Louisville and I was a teaching assistant at a special needs school. And uh, we, took, uh, we took a group of students um, um, uh, to explore some caves somewhere around Bowling Green. Mammoth Cave. That's it. Yes. I know. <laughs> and uh, I remember the tour guide taking us into uh, the cave. And then the tour guide said, okay, I'm going to turn off the lights. And I remember being like, okay, whatever. It's going to get a little dark. He's like, no, it's going to be really dark. And holy cow, when the lights went off, the darkness was, it was like a force, like a presence. I'd never experienced darkness so dark. Um, and that experience has stayed with me. I mean, I mean, I was one of the adults, but I was frightened. I mean, I literally could put my hand right in front of my face and couldn't see it. It was, it was, it was like, I don't know. It was okay. just. But two things I want to yes. interrupt you and say, like, yes. first of all, I, I think it's pretty cool that probably when he turned the light back on, the light was blinding and uncomfortable as much as the darkness had been. And that's a cool point. And I'm going yes. to talk about that too. But the other thing I just, I want to say, and we've talked about this before, but like, so I'm in the same place this week and it is very difficult for me as a white woman <laughs> in, in a diverse congregation that's seeking always to become more diverse. Like all of this light and dark imagery when the darkness is set up as the opposite of the light and yeah. the light is the, literal manifestation of God. And so that means the darkness is potentially emptiness, like empty space, mm -hmm. like neutral. But most people are going to interpret that as whatever. Like, obviously, that's just fraught. Mm -hmm. And I really struggle with how to do it. And obviously, there is not a correlation, obviously, between light and white and dark and black, except, yes. except. that... <laughs> We live in America, yes. and it all, and so I just am always really tricky in how I talk about that. So and, what are you going to do with that? Well, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really so much. I'm focusing more on John in this passage <laughs> than I am. But yeah. I just am really intentional that. I mean, you. I guess like I feel like I can do things when it comes to um, male imagery for God that maybe you can't do as a woman. And you can do things with this light, dark imagery as yes. a person of color that I just can't do. As I a think woman. that's exactly right because sometimes person, when it right. comes to male, female imagery in the Bible, I I have to be I have to pause and say, okay, I need to be very intentional here about unpacking some stuff mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm. because I know there are going to be some subconscious stuff, that, right. and if I don't right. address it, right. then I'm either um, endorsing right or i'm saying that doesn't matter it, or just an awareness that people are going to be hearing things that you haven't said yes and so yes. sometimes you just have to address the things that people yeah. are hearing yeah. 
even if it's so anyway. So I don't think I'm going to really like I talk about Christ being the light, but I'm just very I don't I don't do a lot with naming the darkness. And when I do, I often talk about like the sacred darkness, like mm-hmm. the sa- you know, the space mm-hmm. or the emptiness mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. trying to um, not play with that duality. And well, and I think you're right in that when people hear darkness, they think blackness. And, you know, one of the things I have really pushed back against both in historically white congregations and in... Ah, I really can't turn off this alarm. Sorry, podcasters. We're really real here. Yes. <laughs> I was saying one of the things I've pushed back on in both black and white congregations is that little, you know, that, that little bracelet. Oh, I know. We the, don't do that. No. Holy yeah, cow, that just horrible. drives me nuts. Yes. It's horrible. You know, yes. in our freedom school, the kids a couple years ago read a book, um, a children's book, and the title of the book was Grandpa is Everything Black Bad. And so I just, yeah. I mean, I already knew it was an issue, but just like seeing that and just recognizing that there are children and young people yeah. and then, you know, whatever, not to be too weirdo about it, but the child in all of us that mm. still just sort of thinks on that level. And we just have to be really aware that whether or not that should be real, real it is. Yeah. And so yeah. we just have yeah. to be really yeah. um, aware. So, yes. So what are you preaching? So I'm preaching that same passage. You're welcome. And um, But I, I think I'm going to really focus in on John the Baptist. And I love John the Baptist. Um, I love sort of setting him up. Well, and he's in the passage talking about like he came as a witness to the light, but he was not the light. And I think that's just so important for us. I think our default, especially as Americans, is just to be like, I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to yeah, ratio algebra yeah, it. And yeah, I'm going to... Yeah. And we just sort of un unconsciously feel like we are responsible for being Jesus to ourselves and in our communities and for other Mm. people. And it's super unhealthy and also impossible. Mm -hmm. And so to really set up that John the Baptist had a role, um, but he was a witness to the light. He was not the light and that's our role. And, and also I just love to, to really look at how complicated and real he is that he is, you know, Jesus says the greatest born of woman he, he's just this amazingly, furiously committed person and the animal skins and the eating bugs and like, it's just amazing. And like his social justice gospel, like I am here for it, like sell your coats and who warned you and you, whatever, I'm here for it. And I just think it's so important to point out that Jesus was not who John expected him to be. Mm. And that's why Jesus is saying like, yeah, he is the greatest born of woman and he is the least, the least mm. in the kingdom of God is 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 more than he, yeah. because he really, I think he he read God's passion for the world rightly, but then he basically just said, like, get your ish together, yeah, yeah. and 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 he's coming to burn you with fire yeah. if you don't, and like yeah. be very very afraid, and and I feel like you know a lot of progressive Christians like that's basically our message is like do better yeah and you know that's fine for for you know awesomely lovey but not that's not grace and when Jesus shows up and says like oh I'm bringing fire but it's a fire within and a fire that will cleanse and a fire that will change you so that you no longer have this disordered disordered desires for possessions or wealth or power over whatever that's a that's a very different message and that was not the message that John expected and so just to be able to say like we are witness to the light we are not the light and we should recognize that even the most amazing prophets not it's not just the Pharisees who were wrong about Jesus. Mm. John was wrong about mm. Jesus as well. And so our job is not to walk around telling people what we think about Jesus. Our job 
is to witness to the light by keeping the one commandment, loving one another as Christ mm. loves us. Like that's how we witness to the light, not by indoctrinating well, people. It's interesting that on the one hand, John gets it right. Right. Behold the Lamb of God who Correct. takes away the sin of the world. Right. But then there's the other side of that coin where John has to send some of his disciples to Are Jesus. Are you really the one? Are you the one? Right. And right. Jesus says to them, tell John what you see and hear, right? Right. The blind see, right. the lame walk, right? Just witness to who I am, what I'm doing, what what you see happening. And um, no, yeah. and that's the connection to the light thing. Like yeah. in that passage, like, you know, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And this idea that we, when we read that, our natural way to read it is to be like, oh yeah, those stupid people didn't get it. Yeah. But we've got that's it. Right. Yeah. And in one of the commentaries I was looking at last week, one of the Desert Fathers was saying like, we in the preaching moment have to ask ourselves and those gathered to hear, mm. those we love and are deeply indebted to, we mm. have to continually ask ourselves the question, am I walking in the light or yeah. am I rejecting the light? Yeah. Because you can't just go like, well, not me, Lord, not me. I mean, yeah. yes, you. Right? Yeah. It's not yeah. just the Pharisees. It's not just Pontius Pilate. It's not just Pharaoh. It's also John the Baptist who didn't get it. It's mm-hmm. also Peter who denied. Like good people who followed Jesus didn't get it all the time. And so if we ask the question, am I getting it, Lord? Mm-hmm. We can hear the answer. But if we're so full of our own certainty that there's no room for doubt, then there's no room for revelation, then there's no place for repentance and there's no way to come alive in Christ. Yeah, and there's no room for change. There's no I'm just thinking about what, what I've been said, talking about. Yeah, yes. what I said in this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Astonished by the work of God, right? right. And it's a slow work. Right. It's light shining right and that there are moments when we get to glimpse the right. change in people but it's right. not instant full transformation it is a slow coming to the light right. being transformed and the by true the light. light the true light and coming to the true light and realizing that along the way you know, we outgrow our childish understandings. We outgrow yeah. what was right for us in the season where we were before. And so part of the faith process is the disillusionment process, yeah. right? Is yeah. no- recognizing that some of the things that we thought were God yeah. were illusions. And to lose those is a painful but necessary thing. And when we can't let go of our illusions, then we can be filled with our illusions instead of being filled with the light, right? And so all of that stuff. Yeah, is and so... going back to what we were talking about before, for John, I think darkness is really about blindness. Yes. Not about color. Yes. It's about blindness. Right. And so we're talking about seeing, seeing the re- in terms of right. growth and leaving behind childish right. thinking. Well, it's and a- that's Peterson's translation of like what, you know, salt and light. And I, I've called you to be light to bring out the God colors in the world, wow. right? Like that's wow. a great wow. yeah. translation yeah. of that, that light is not a color. Light is the ability to perceive to yeah. the fullness yeah. of creation, the glory mm-hmm. of creation, to be astonished, right? Yeah. I would say like when we are walk- walking in the light of Christ, we are perpetually astonished by okay, the goodness good. of God, by the presence of God, by the, yeah, anyway. So we wow. are out like of time. Yes. Mm, good. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week.